for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland, the director of Kids Central TN. Throughout the month of September, we focused our podcast episodes on your stories, the challenges that parents and families are facing as we navigate this very tough year, especially our lifestyle changes surrounding COVID-19, back to school, and for many, a change in income. Now we're heading into the fall months. The days will be getting shorter, and with the holidays right around the corner, our desire to be with loved ones will grow, but right now, being with loved ones may put them in danger. So on this episode of Roots and Wings, we're going to discuss seasonal depression disorder, how it may make more of an impact this year because of COVID and how you can help your family's mental health through the winter months. To help me with this conversation, I'm joined by Beth Hale, the regional vice president of Centerstone, an agency that specializes in behavioral health here in Tennessee. Beth, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I do want to just kind of begin this conversation with a very generic question, but I am very interested to know, Beth, how are you and how are your family holding up in the year of 2020 so far? Well, it's been uh, definitely an unusual year and um, we are doing fine. I actually am the caretaker for my mother. So my number one goal has been to keep her healthy and away from all of this. And so far, we have done a nice job of that. Unfortunately, my two siblings live out of state and have not been able to visit her in almost a year. And so that's been extremely difficult for them. But all in all, we are doing very well. So thank you. Well, I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. And I'm glad to know that. I, you know, it's on this episode, Beth, I have to mention, we, we talk a lot with parents of really small children, but we don't talk with a lot of people who are saying, I'm the caregiver of my parent or someone of an older individual. So thank you for sharing that information. I know in the last several months, um, you've probably heard a lot, Beth, and I know I've said it a lot on this podcast, but the, the phrase is be flexible and it's okay to not feel or be okay. I've mentioned those several times. In a normal year, Can you talk about how the winter months and the holidays can lead to an increase in depression, isolation, and even thoughts of suicide or acts of suicide? Sure. So during this time of year, it's not unusual for us to see an increase in depressive symptoms in people. With the weather changing, the days getting shorter, the time change, um, all of that impacts us physically and emotionally. And so it's um, just very common for us to see some of uh, some increase in depression. However, this time of year also for some individuals is extremely difficult in that they're not able to make that transition during this fall. And so the fall and winter months are very difficult for them. They have, um, they show more signs of depression, more signs of suicidal thoughts. Um, Some might describe it as they feel like they're hibernating. So they might go into their room and, you know, stay in bed for longer periods of time. Um, Sleep is totally disrupted and um, sometimes eating schedules. um, They may overeat or not eat enough. So this period is extremely difficult for this population. And if you think about the fall months, and then we roll into the holidays. Oftentimes the holidays are kind of a joyous time for some people. But again, for people that are struggling with depressive symptoms, oftentimes the holidays are just another 
time of year that they um, feel really bad about whatever has happened in their life, their circumstances, or that their depression just typically gets worse. So the seasonal affective disorder clients that we see, this is the hardest time of year, usually between, I would say, uh, November to January or February, we have a lot of concerns about the symptoms that they're exhibiting. It's And this is something that we talk about kind of on a, a yearly basis. This is normal. This kind of thing is normal. But obviously, this year in particular, Beth, is not normal. And and going into all already the hibernation kind of phase when people have already been quarantining or isolating or, you know, however long for, for the last several months, how do you guys in, in the mental health realm kind of anticipate the impacts of COVID on top of just a normal kind of seasonal depression disorder or a seasonal affective disorder? Well, we are... Uh, already seen a significant increase in clients with um, more depressive symptoms. So, um, you know, just because the time of year, but then you put the pandemic on top of it. And unfortunately, none of us have experienced a pandemic. So we don't truly know how long this might last or what the impact will be. But um, we are concerned about the symptoms that we're seeing. We are seeing more Uh, younger people with depressive symptoms and suicidal thoughts or suicidal behaviors. This is um, extremely tough on the adolescent young adult population just because their development is all around social uh, interactions. That's where, you know, they feed off of that. Well, this year we've had to, you know, kind of cut that. And so they are really struggling with the lack of interaction and face-to-face interaction with others. So we are concerned that we are going to see even more people with issues regarding depression and suicide, but for the population that is already has a seasonal affective disorder, um, extremely concerned about that population because they just feel like their symptoms are going to really be more severe than usual. Thank you for sharing that, Beth. When you talked about seeing a little bit of an increase with younger people already this year, um, do you think that has Obviously, you you mentioned the fact that younger individuals and adolescents need and require more face-to-face interactions and people interactions and, you know, brains are still developing. And and because everyone has been so kind of quarantining, isolated, hibernating (laughs) the last several months, I feel, or at least the parents that I know that have teens, it's been the screen time issue has been hard for them. They've been on their phones more than anything. And I know there's always been kind of talk about how social media plays into young people's minds and, and the depressive side of things. Do you think that has anything to kind of play into this or is this just, well, I'll, I'll just let you speak to that first. <laughs> Sure. I mean, all of us, uh, you know, the last seven or eight months have done nothing but look at screens, it seems like. And so um, I do think that has an impact. And for adolescents, the what they are seeing on social media can totally impact um, and you know, guide them on how they might react to something. And so we've, you know, historically kind of been very cautious about the amount of time they've had on screen. And, uh, but this year it's, it really has not been able to be avoided. Mm -hmm. What I have talked with a few parents about 
during this time is trying to find those opportunities to get off the screen. So, for example, um, I've tried to start doing do this with my supervisors for, you know, I'm on Zoom all day. But when I have a one on one supervision meeting with one of my supervisors, I'll be like, OK, no screen. Get your phone. Go take, take a walk. Let's let's talk and walk. Let's get right. outside. Let's do something. <laughs> so we're still working, but we're not looking at that screen. And I think if we could um, help, you know, each other, teens especially, be able to have those opportunities where they're not always um, on their screen and reading what is on social media, um, I think that would be important. Yeah, great advice. And I also I'm thinking about just the time and the year and the events that have been happening. And we're recording this on the day after early voting began in Tennessee, meaning it's an election year as well. <laughs> yeah. How how does that kind of play into just mental health as well being an election year? Um, it has been significant. And I don't know if it's just because we have all of these things kind of happening all at the same time. Um, what I've talked about is the pandemic, the election, and then we've had several natural disasters mm-hmm. that we've been watching. And so it just feels like there's a lot brewing. And so I don't know if that combination has, including the election, has um, really increased everybody's um, depression and anxiety. We're seeing a lot of anxiety as well. But I do think it has played into it because we're all home and um, a lot of people are keeping the news or the TV on all the time. So they're seeing all the coverage of these things. And so it's just kind of nonstop. I actually did talk to my mom. She had CNN. on. I said, we have just watched something else. Watch, watch yeah. Game Show Network, something else. You know, do, just turn that off and take a break. So yeah. it's good to encourage people to kind of take a break from all of that um, feed. Well, and that's a good point you bring up, Beth, and it kind of brings me to my next question. And you did a really great job of mentioning, especially here in Nashville, from the natural disasters. And then, of course, there's continuing natural disasters across the country right now. But it's just been a lot. It's been overwhelmingly a lot. And what is what advice would you have for families um, as we head into the fall and winter? Obviously, you know, there's there's the general common sense of try to get outdoors when you can, soak in the sun when you can, stay off your screens. But what besides that, like what kind of advice do you have for families as we we head into these fall uh, and winter seasons? One of the things that we heard a lot about in the spring when all this happened was, um, you know, families getting together for movie night within their own homes, not with other families, but cooking together or building a treehouse. And so all the newness and all of that when parents were home with their children 24-7, some of that is worn off. And um, then no one got to go anywhere over the summer. Vacations were canceled. People didn't get to go swimming and do all those things they usually do. So my suggestion would be to try to look at, you know, some special activity to look forward to each week or every every couple of weeks. Get your child or teen involved on what could we do or what would be something special that we could do safe, but um, that would be something to look forward to. Because I think right now what people are feeling is we don't know how long all of this is going to last. How long am I going to feel isolated and depressed and, you know, not be around my friends. So having just a, you 
know, a few things to look forward to, to plan for, I think would really help with, um, you know, people feeling like, okay, there's kind of a purpose and we got something to work for. Like you said, exercise, getting outside, those are huge. Um, keeping a routine. And again, in the spring and summer, because school wasn't in session, a lot of families didn't have such structured schedules because all activities were canceled. Mm-hmm. But getting back into a routine of, you know, what is kind of our day-to-day regular work or school schedule, whether they're doing school in person or virtual, I think is um, really helpful to kind of get people back on track of this is kind of what our normal right now is. Absolutely. It's when you when you were mentioning that and just the kind of the lack of scheduling around the summertime. And, and then that made me immediately think of uh, for parents who have been working like I know personally, I'm I won't be back in an office probably this calendar year. And then who knows what's going to happen in January. So just that thought for adults specifically and those who are, are trying to run a family of we just don't know what's going to happen. And also there's those families who have already been greatly impacted uh, financially by their jobs or layoffs or, or furloughs or whatever because of COVID. And that's probably adding extra stress as we head into the holidays, as we head into fall. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just one thing after the other, after the other. <laughs> well, and parents have, some parents have had to make a very difficult decision. If they are working, do I send my child back in person to school or do I continue to school them virtually? And that is very tough because if they have to work, um, can they really do school virtually and do it well for their child? And so that I've noticed that and even some of my staff, that difficult kind of decision as a parent, um, how to go forward. Yeah. What advice uh, do you have for those parents specifically who who may be struggling um, with with doing that, just what you were kind of mentioning with both trying to run and help your family, either that's your kids in in school and online, and then also working from home. Um, I mean, it's like parents, hats off to you guys right now, because uh, I know and understand you guys have been juggling quite a bit this year. Um, I say that because I'm in my mid thirties and I don't have any children, but most of the people that I know do have very small children. So I've been hearing these horror stories, honestly, uh, about schooling, especially <laughs> about school, especially, and just the, the not knowing part, as you mentioned, do you have any specific advice for parents who, who really need some extra help? Well, I think all of us need to be able to talk about what is going on. Again, this is kind of an unknown territory. So um, nobody has, you know, experienced it and done it well. We just, we're just trying to get through it together. You know, develop both for parents and for children, having somebody, an outlet, somebody they can talk to about what's going on. I think within our families, just making sure that, you know, depending on the child's age, being able to say, I don't know as a parent, I don't know what, you know, next month is going to look like or when we're going to be able to go and, you know, do all your activities. Um, But communicate as openly as you can so that the child is feeling like, okay, you're not hiding anything, but you're kind of just going um, in the minute as well because you don't know what the future holds. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having that open communication with them would be, really important. There are a lot of resources out there. Um, You know, we've got 
plenty of resources uh, at centerstone.org. We actually have a whole teen section, um, and it's broken out into what the teens can be looking at and then what guides for the parents. Um, so I think that is something that's really helpful. Um, I think, you know, when the other thing that I hear from parents all the time is, especially with teens, I don't know if it's just normal teen behavior mm-hmm. or um, if it's more. And, um, you know, one of the things we would be looking at, because everybody um, has different, you know, behaviors and characteristics, but what is changing? Are the, you know, is the moodiness, has that gotten worse? Are they sleeping more? Are they, you know, not talking to any friends, you know, they're not on any social media, then those are times that, you know, that they may need to reach out to, um, you know, somebody like Centerstone and and see about an assessment to see if there is something that they should be concerned about. But we do have a lot of resources um, on our website. And again, Beth, you mentioned that centerstone.org. And I'm really happy that you mentioned um, that teenager section specifically, because I I feel we've um, talked a lot, or I, let me say, I have talked a lot about younger children in general, specifically around these episodes since the pandemic happened. Um, Mostly because, you know, it's hard for younger kids to understand what's going on. But then on the flip side of that, teenagers and older adolescents who are very aware of what's going on, they're having to internalize and deal with these inner battles, for lack of better words, by themselves. And, and, and as you mentioned, parents are like, well, is that normal or is it different? <laughs> well, if, so, you think, if you think about um, a teenager, their worst nightmare is to be with their family 24-7. Mm. And um, they, you know, we've had to, everybody's had to kind of do that over the last seven months. So, um, yeah, it's, it is um, it's hard to know exactly what is I'm tired of being around just my family or, um, you know, what is more you know, significant. But you're right. They understand, the teens understand that this is um, a significant event and impacting a lot of people in different ways. And they do start to internalize um, and become anxious. Is that going to happen to me, my family? You know, what can I do? Um, if I just stay in my bed and put the covers over my head, maybe it'll all go away. So mm-hmm. um, I think it is, uh, you know, a concern from a lot of parents these days. Well, Beth, thank you so much for having this discussion. And I would like to just ask before we kind of wrap things up, I mean, as you have seen things in over the last several months, and you kind of mentioned earlier in, in this episode of you're already seeing numbers do certain things or certain behavioral patterns um, because of just where we're at in the year and also the pandemic. What would you say parents need to be most at the top of their minds most as we move into this next, this last part of the year? I would be most concerned about um, watching for any signs of um, severe depression. And that would be withdrawing from, you know, any kind of activities, social media, um, any kind of suicidal ideation thoughts. Um, We recently have seen a significant increase in just referrals for our child and adolescent population. And so um, I think that is this pandemic in the, um, because it's stretched out so long has really impacted our children and adolescents. So I would just encourage parents to please watch for any kind of behavior changes, anything that um, they're seeing might be a little different than, than usual. Um, 
you know, if they were to call Centerstone, we could do an assessment. We're doing telehealth appointments, which have been very successful. We also have some school-based services where schools are in session. We're able to see um, some of the students face-to-face in their school setting. So we've got some resources available there. Great. Awesome advice. And thank you so much for taking the time today, Beth, to talk with me a little a little bit about this. Um, I always somewhat joke around this time, especially when we're about to turn the clocks back again, that I, I immediately I'm feeling I'm feeling seasonal depression disorder, but now I'm kinda like, no, for real though. Yeah. <laughs> but for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Beth, and thank you to our listeners. This has been another episode of Roots and Weeks.